Yeah, I'm like Neo now. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. That's Morpheus. What's up, everybody? It's Bryce from Jurassic Views. Here we are on the eve, the eve of the final. Then there were two, just two teams left out of the 30 NBA teams. Yet another interesting matchup for the NBA finals. And thank goodness, thank goodness it is not the same old teams or the same old players. How's everybody doing? It will be me doing a solo pod today. Zaya Kuyana away, taking a little time off, spending a little time with family. And you've got me again doing a solo. Uh, I'm excited for the finals for a number of different reasons. Uh, But first and foremost, because we don't have any coastal elites. Uh, There is no Brooklyn, no New York, no L.A., Miami, Golden State, or Boston. The coastal elites are out, thank goodness. And we can watch two teams who worked their tails off to get here, who drafted, who followed a process, not the process, and coaches that even if you disagree with some of their decisions, even if you don't like their styles, two coaches who have worked hard to get where they are. Uh, I'm not a fan of Coach Bud, uh, to be honest. I don't like his style or strategy. Uh, But the players on the Bucks seem to like him. Monty Williams I am a fan of. And uh, this is a good story. You know, it really is a good story that the NBA has Phoenix, who are in the NBA Finals for the first time in 28 years. Charles Barkley's Phoenix Suns uh, lost in six to Michael Jordan. Did they really have a shot? Probably not in that series. Uh, They were talented, but nowhere near Michael and Scotty and crew. Uh, And we got the Milwaukee Bucks, who I believe haven't won a series, a finals, a title, haven't won a title since 1971, I believe. Uh, I will have to check that, but I'm pretty sure it was 1971 when they won their last title. I think it's been uh, almost 50 years since they were last in the finals. I think they made it twice to the finals with uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Oscar Robertson. Uh, but So that's exciting, you know? You don't have... Three-headed monsters and super teams. You don't have coastal elites. It's the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks. But before we get any further into kind of a finals preview, let's rewind round three, which saw the Hawks versus the Bucks in the East and the Clippers and the Suns in the West. Now, out West, 
unfortunately, we didn't get as competitive a series um, or really the favorite in the series uh, because Kawhi Leonard was injured. Um, Kawhi Leonard, of course, in, I believe it was the, the dying minutes, if not seconds, of game four of the second round, uh, Utah Jazz versus Clippers series to tie it 2-2. The Clippers had just put away uh, the Utah Jazz. And in those final minutes, again, could have been the final seconds. I think it was the last minute and a half. Kawhi Leonard gets injured, sprained knee. And there was some talk of him maybe being able to play in the finals, maybe by game three or four. But he was unable because of the inflammation, uh, because of the damage uh, to the knee, uh, a ligament in the knee. He wasn't going to play in the conference finals, which is really too bad. Um, Number one, because... It would have showcased uh, he is a probably top three player uh, in the NBA. I think it's safe to say that in terms of impact on a team and talent, individual talent, I think LeBron and, and KD are still above Kawhi Leonard. Um, but Kawhi's right there. You can talk about Giannis being in the mix. Uh, and there's probably, you know, a guy like Jokic uh, is in the discussion. But I think when the chips are down and the playoffs are on, I think Kawhi, LeBron, KD, uh, this season were those top three guys. Uh, if you have some arguments on that, some, some hot takes, uh, some points that you feel are relevant, let me know. Uh, but to see a top three guy, you know, get injured... Uh, and not be able to play in the Western Conference Finals, it sucks. It definitely sucks. It takes away from that series, and to some extent takes away from Phoenix's uh, victory in that series. Uh, That said, it's no fault of Phoenix's, uh, nor is it the fault of the Clippers. It's just how it goes. And there's always injuries in every season, uh, despite what... ESPN nonsense narratives may say, uh, despite what LeBron will try to do to insert himself in the NBA discourse um, while he is not in the playoffs because his team has been eliminated. Uh, Injuries were certainly uh, a big part of these playoffs, but they are every year. You know, we can go back to uh, other seasons and look at you know, big names that have been knocked out. People have done this many times over and over. So let's stop talking about injuries on mass being uh, a huge problem. Every sport in the playoffs, I've been watching the Euro Championship for soccer, every team has injuries. Um, apparently, it didn't bother Denmark that their greatest player or their best player was not involved there in the semifinals. So, I mean, you have to work past this. And I realize in the NBA, it's a superstar studded league and, you know, everything around marketing and the game is, is centered around those superstars. Um, But actually it can make things uh, really interesting when guys get injured and, and you see how 
good a team is, not just how great their superstar is, but how good a team is. And to be honest, watching Ty Lue coach game five and six of the Utah Jazz Clippers series was incredible. Um, made uh, Coach Quinn Snyder uh, look like an amateur coach, to be quite honest. And there were moments in this series uh, where Monty Williams was definitely getting beat in the chess match that is coaching in the NBA playoffs. And kudos to Ty Lu. I mean, I didn't think this series would go six without Kawhi in it. Uh, but Ty Lu is a big part of why uh, this team, why the Clippers were able to extend it to six. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk of Kawhi's injury. Obviously, Chris Paul wasn't involved in game one or game two. And Chris Paul was not 100% in game three or game four. And, and in a lot of ways, as much as the Suns should have won game two much easier uh, and almost blew that game, the Clippers, I think, threw away game four. That was their game to win. And uh, the series could have been tied 2-2. Um, kudos, though, to the Clippers and Paul, Paul George in particular in uh, game five, down 3-1 getting that win. And I think Phoenix knew that they blew their opportunity. Um, but then Chris Paul played on another level in that fourth quarter and they gave it to the Clippers and showed finally, maybe themselves, they embraced the fact that they were the favorites of this series and should have been up three, one. And they were, and should have taken this series out before seven games. And they did winning in six uh, with a 41 point piece from Chris Paul, uh, once again showing his legendary status, once again showing his Hall of Fame status, um, he is a point god as many of other as many others have said, including Zaya Quiana many times on this podcast, and deservedly so. The Phoenix Suns are in the NBA Finals, and it's great. Um, now, in respect to the Clippers. Paul George was an absolute stud. And before this series, I would have said Paul George is a top 30 guy. Obviously has the potential to be in the conversation for top 15. But he did, you know, from that, that bubble last year, the games that he played, he had knocked himself out and he was inconsistent during the regular season, to be quite honest. But Paul George was incredible in the Utah series with Kawhi out. And he continued to play at a high, high level, all-star level, and maybe even getting himself back into that top 15 conversation. Now, for me personally, Paul George is probably a guy just on the outside looking into that top 15. For me, I'd take Jason Tatum over him. I'd take Jimmy Butler over him. Uh, I'd probably even throughout the entire playoffs when I take a look at all the guys who played well, who showcased their skills, who were clutch, uh, I'd take Trey Young personally over Paul George. That probably sounds like nonsense to some because uh, Trey Young's not a great defender, uh, at times a liability on pick and roll situations. Um, but Trey Young for me, 
when the chips are down and the highest leverage moments are happening, Trey Young's a top 15 player, at least this season and especially in the playoffs. Uh, but Paul George was incredible. Mad respect to Paul George. And as the, season, as the series continued with Phoenix, you could see this guy just didn't have enough juice in him. He just wasn't a KD-level player to be able to get his team uh, to where they're at. And no, no offense to the Clippers lineup. You know, Zubak is a solid center. Um, you know, Batum is a solid role player. Uh, Reggie Jackson played out of his mind. He probably played the best of his career. Um, you know, a lot of folks were saying 2016 playoff run when they lost in the conference finals, the Oklahoma City Thunder, when Reggie Jackson was on that team. Uh, some people said that was his best time in his career. I, th I think, in all honesty, uh, this playoff run with the Clippers was his best uh, that we've seen. Um, but, but Paul George just could not do enough. But he played well enough that, he, that he's in that discussion for top 15. Even if he's out of the top 15 for me personally, I think he's in the discussion. I'll tell you a guy who's not in the top 15 discussion and who actually hurt uh, the Clippers. And part of this is he didn't get to play the entire regular season. But Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard was not that strong, wasn't a big impact player at all in the conference finals. And here's my beef with Luke Kennard, okay? Because some folks are like, how do you even mention Luke Kennard? And the reason why I mentioned Luke Kennard specifically on a Raptors podcast that has nothing to do right now, this particular episode has nothing to do with Toronto Raptors. The reason why I bring up Luke Kennard is the dude makes... $2 million less a season than OG Ananobi. And I take beef with that. I take issue with that. Because OG Ananobi should be a max deal kind of guy if Luke Kennard is making $16 million a year. Luke Kennard barely showed that he should be getting $5 million a year in what he did in the conference finals. Now, he did have a good game in Utah in game five. I, I, I see that, Luke, and I'll, and I'll give you a check mark next to your name, maybe even a gold star. But outside of that, Luke, nah, man. You're nowhere near the vicinity of OG Ananobi. I, I'm not even bringing up Lou Dort and breaking down why Lou Dort... Uh, you know, somehow got manipulated into signing the, the contract he did. Lou Dort is miles away from Luke Kennard. How Luke Kennard is getting paid $60 million. Does he have blackmail against somebody? Uh, is he married to Steve Ballmer's uh, niece? What is going on that Luke Kennard is making $16 million? That's just nonsense. Um but getting back to Paul George, I do, I do have to bring this up because I thought it was just stupid. And this is one thing Stephen A. Smith and I will agree on. Stephen A. and I very rarely agree. But Stephen A. Smith on ESPN uh, First Take said, why is DeMarcus, DeMarcus Cousins talking about Paul George right now? 
DeMarcus Cousins was trying to make this, this statement about how there's too much criticism towards Paul George. Criticism comes to those who play at the highest level. If you're Luke Kennard, you're not going to get many, you know, talking points spoken about you on a show like First Take, okay? But if you're Paul George, you're going to get a lot of, of talking time about, about him and what he, he has accomplished in his career and when he has failed in his career. And the playoffs is a big area when you, when you speak of a guy who's in that top 30, who has made all-star teams, who is even in the top 15 conversation. Yeah, you're going to get a heck of a lot of criticism when you don't show up like he did last year. You know who is a very similar guy to Paul George, who's got some criticism in the past? Chris Middleton. And we'll get to him in a second. But Paul George is going to get respect, and part of that respect is criticism because Paul George is that good. So DeMarcus Cousins going off about how Paul George didn't get respect, please, DeMarcus, we're not talking about you. And if you want to get in the headlines, well, you've done a great job of distracting people from talking about Paul George and talking about you. But the best of the best in the NBA get spoken of when they've played well, when they've played at a level that's an all-star level, top 15 level, and then they don't show up. And Paul George was fantastic uh, this playoffs. He did what a lot of people thought he was capable of doing. But is he going to get heat, uh, especially when Kawhi's beside him and he doesn't show up? Yeah, hell yeah he is. So DeMarcus Cousins, please go back to Las Vegas Please bet some more money uh, on the slots or the racetrack or whatever you do in Las Vegas because Paul George was fine, man, on his own. This guy can stand on his own two feet. He makes enough money and he hits enough baskets. Uh, He didn't need your help, DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, I hope you're not in the league next year based on some of the things that you've done in your home. Um, Why Jalen Harris is suspended for a year for smoking marijuana and you haven't been suspended or banned from the league entirely because of what you've done in your own time away from the game is ridiculous to me, but that's a whole nother podcast. And Zaya and I will likely get to that uh, this summer in the off season. But for now, DeMarcus Cousins, just shut up, man. Just shut up about Paul George's criticism. Uh, You're not good enough to get in that conversation anymore. And, and Paul George is, so stop distracting us. Uh, let's go to the Eastern Conference. I've spent enough time in the Wild West, apparently. Let's go back uh, to the Eastern Conference and talk about the Bucks-Hawks series. This was a series that the Bucks were heavily favored in for many reasons. Um, experience, uh, veteran play, all-star caliber players, um, veteran role guys who have gone deep into the playoffs. Uh, the Bucks are just a better team. More talent and 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 more know-how. And, and to be honest, I think the Bucks probably would have ended this series in five had Giannis been healthy. Even if Trey had been healthy, I think it would have been over in five. But the Bucks, one in six. And they 
you know, there were a few games where it was quite lopsided. Um, Drew Holiday uh, got the job done. Sorry, Eric Bledsoe, uh, that nobody's talking about you. Uh, but Drew Holiday is is a solid player, and he he stepped up in this series just like he stepped up in that net series. Uh, I said I, I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but I definitely said uh, off air to Zaya and to others that I thought the best two teams in the NBA uh, were the Bucks and the Nets. I thought whoever came out of that series was probably going to win the NBA championship. That's probably not that much of a hot take. I think most people would have said Bucks and Nets. Um, you know, obviously with the Nets uh, losing out on on Kyrie and a healthy Harden, the Bucks had the advantage. But boy, oh boy, did KD push the Bucks to the very limit to an overtime game seven. Incredible stuff from KD. Uh, but you know, Giannis is the Greek freak for a reason. We don't call him that because uh, you know. He's incapable of doing things. We certainly don't call Giannis's brother uh, the Greek freak. Um, Giannis is in the top five in the NBA, hands down. Uh, right there with Jokic um, and Kawhi and, and, and the other and the others, LBJ and and KD. Um, and like I said, I, they were the favorites. Trey made things interesting by. St- you know, the Hawks and Trey stealing game one. They certainly made things interesting. In Milwaukee, you take that game one. It looks good. Uh, but then they got their hats handed to them in game two and three. And really, um, you know, the the Hawks uh, spoiled the Bucks' beatdown um, in that game four. That was huge. And they were able to win it. No Giannis, no Trey. In, in that game four, and then after that, the adjustments were made by Coach Bud. It's like Coach Bud can make adjustments better when Giannis is out. It's like he becomes a more respectable coach, uh, a more sought-after coach when Giannis is, is out. And, and hopefully, uh, we see the best of, of Coach Bud in this final series. But I also want to see Giannis. But for whatever reason, when, when Giannis is in the game... He doesn't make adjustments the same way. And once Giannis went out and Trey was out as well, uh, he really exploited a lot of the weaknesses and, and a lot of the limitations of the Hawks very well. Uh, so, you know, big thumbs up to Coach Bud uh, after Giannis went down. And as the Bucks should have done, win this series and get to their first NBA Finals in almost 50 years, uh, they did it. Well done. And it is Milwaukee versus Phoenix. No coastal elites, as I said before. Um, for, on Trey and the Hawks side of things, this was not a, 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 a situation, uh, a scenario where uh, Nate McMillan wasn't good enough. Nope, he was quite good. Uh, this was not a situation where they had too many injuries. Cam Reddish came back, looked solid. I think the future is bright with Cam Reddish. Um, this was just a case that they were young and the supporting cast just wasn't good enough. You could see the limitations, uh, of Clint Capella, uh, who is a great center, had a great year, but he has limitations. Um, you could see the limitations on Bogdanovich and I'm not sure if Bogdanovich is a hundred percent, um, which happens in the playoffs. 
Um, but I, I, I think he was struggling physically, uh, and so he wasn't as sharp. Uh, Dino Gallinari had a great playoff, but his limitations were exploited by Coach Bud and the Bucks for sure. Um, and so, you know, when Trey is the, a top 15 guy and the Bucks have a top five guy, Trey's got to outplay the Greek freak. And then the supporting cast has got to outplay the supporting cast of the Bucks. And let me tell you, um, one guy who has silenced me, who has shut me up with his big games, Chris Middleton. I used to give Chris Middleton, during this season, especially when Norm Powell was playing against him, Zion and I would give Chris Middleton grief for days. I used to talk about Chris Middleton in the same way I talk about Tobias Harris. And Chris Middleton proved this year, especially in the playoffs, that he is a legitimate all-star. He is a top 25 guy in this league. And when he is needed most, when Giannis went down, he was big time. Big time. This dude drops 20 points in the third quarter in a critical game six on the road. Magnificent performance from Chris Middleton. Well done from Chris Middleton. I think... As we look toward the finals, I think it's safe to say that if Chris Middleton plays at that level, it is going to be extremely difficult for the Phoenix Suns to compete. And I, and I, and I truly believe that, to compete. If Giannis is Giannis and Chris Middleton's just average, kind of a top 40 guy, um, I think the series can be, can be quite competitive. It's, if Chris Middleton, though, plays like he just did in the last two, three games, um, there's no chance for the Phoenix Suns. Chris Middleton was that good, and obviously Giannis is that good. Uh, CP3 is a top 15 guy for me. I'd actually take Chris Paul over Paul George because of his ability to lead um, and playmake, whereas Paul George is, is a guy who can make shots, and can make big plays in the defensive end. He's not as good a leader. And he doesn't have as much impact away from the ball. I mean, hell, Chris Paul was able to make an impact while he was texting his team uh, from home because he had uh, COVID. He was in COVID protocols. Um, so in this final series, my prediction is that the Milwaukee Bucks will win in five. Now, I'm not sure what the... Stat status of of Giannis is uh, for the final. Uh, we'll probably find out in the next 24 hours. Um, but uh, if Giannis is healthy and Middleton plays at the level he did, this is done in five, unfortunately. Now, that's what I think. That's what my mind is saying. My heart hopes, like that uh, well-known Phoenix Suns fan said, in that Denver series, at the start of the Denver series, my, my heart is Phoenix and four. I want the Phoenix Suns and Chris Paul to lift the trophy for the first time in franchise history and for the first time in Chris Paul's career. 
And I would almost say, now I don't know this for sure, obviously I have no relational ties to, to Chris Paul, nor do I have any insider information. I am not Peter Vesey. But Chris Paul, I could see him if he wins the title this year. I could see him retiring. Now, if they lose, I could see Chris Paul giving it one more shot, trying to, to recruit an extra few guys to Phoenix or making a couple trades happen and just, you know, re-upping, supersizing themselves for another run next year. Although, the, you know, the Lakers are going to do the same. We'll see what the Clippers do. We'll see what happens in Dallas. That's probably the most intriguing if the if. The Dallas Mavericks could get someone like a Kawhi who's, who's a free agent if he doesn't uh, opt into his player option. Um, Dallas has enough pieces that, you know, whether it's a trade or they get a big name like a Kawhi Leonard, Dallas could be, you know, uh, a, a dark horse for next year. Um, but, you know, I, I think that it's very possible if Chris Paul lifts the trophy uh, this season that he retires. What a way to go out after 16 years in the NBA. Uh, but Chris Paul is not the guy that has to have a legendary performance. If the Phoenix Suns want to have any chance, if Giannis is healthy, Chris Middleton plays at that level, the only way they can play competitively in the series. Again, I don't think they have a shot at winning. But to play competitive, to, to push it to six games, DeAndre Ayton is going to have to eat Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis for dinner every night. I'm talking 2020 a game, averaging 2020. Um, 25 and 25 would be even better. But DeAndre Ayton is where this series... Uh, is going to be rested because Devin Booker could have 40. And if Giannis and, and Chris Middleton combine for 70, you don't have a shot. Um, the Brook, sorry, the, the, the Brook Lopez's and, and the supporting cast for the Milwaukee Bucks is also better. You know, no offense to Jay Crowder. He's just not in that, you know, more elite supporting cast like the Bucks have with Drew Holiday, uh, Brooke Lopez, uh, Connaughton, Forbes. They just got enough guys that can do enough good things. They also have P.J. Tucker. And as a quick tangent, remember three years ago when CP3 played in Houston with James Harden? And they were so close right on the cusp, right on the verge of winning uh, the Western Conference Finals against the, the dynasty that is that was the Golden State Warriors. They almost won that series, 2018. Chris Paul, of course, gets injured, a hamstring injury. You know who else played with CP3 and Harden? P.J. Tucker. Guess who's in the finals this year? Not James Harden. Sorry, James. CP3 and PJ Tucker is on the Milwaukee Bucks. Sorry for the side for the for the tangent. Had to go there. Had to go there. Um, so with the Bucks, their their supporting cast is just better. Um, you go down the list, man for man. Uh, you know, top eight guys versus top eight guys, and you know, 
they just don't they just don't have the group in Phoenix that can compete with with the Bucks. So it really comes down to a guy like DeAndre Ayton playing way above what he's been doing. He's got to be like the Reggie Jackson of this series. Reggie Jackson playing out of his mind. That's what DeAndre Ayton has to do if they want to have any shot. Um, I think Devin Booker is going to be challenged. I think he's going to have a really difficult series. I think they'll put Drew Holiday, Connaughton, Middleton, maybe even P.J. Tucker at times on Devin Booker. He's going to have a tough series. And you, when you watch that Clippers series, he, he wasn't able to play as well as he did in the Lakers and, and Nuggets series, right? Uh, there were too many wings who could switch up and it and life was just really difficult for Devin Booker. Again, he played played like an all star. He's in that top twenty five guys, um, but he he was limited, right? Like he was held to to all star level numbers. And what Booker needs to do, Phoenix needs Devin Booker to do if they're going to win this series. He's need, he needs to play superstar levels, that top ten, top seven guys in the league. I just don't think he's going to do it against the Bucks defense, to be honest. Um, but this is a great series. There's there's a lot of you know cool um, storylines like that CP3 PJ Tucker. Uh, there's also the funny storyline that I saw today uh, on Instagram uh, that the Ante the Kumpo brothers, all three of them, have now been to the NBA Finals once. Uh, so they have three between the three of them as individuals. They have three. NBA Finals appearances, one each. Um, they are up 3-0 against the Ball Brothers. The Ball Brothers have not been to the finals. <laughs> and it'll be interesting to see when and if uh, Lonzo uh, and LaMelo get to the finals. Uh, there's talks of LiAngelo uh, getting into the NBA this year. Apparently, he's put a lot of time and effort into his, his workouts, his training. We'll see if he makes the league this year. Uh, but there's all kinds of great storylines. Coach Bud, of course, as a head coach, getting to his first finals. Monty Williams as well, um, who I think is, is entering that elite um, coaching level. Uh, so, you know, so many great storylines. Uh, I talked about no coastal elites. And again, when I talk about coastal elites, I talk about Boston, Golden State, New York, Brooklyn, LA, LA, Miami. And, and why these are the coastal elites is not just because they're on the coast, but also because of what their franchises have done, but also their cities in particular, like a, a New York, for instance, who maybe, or, or a Brooklyn Nets that doesn't have maybe the same history as the Knicks. Um, because it's the city of New York, like the Clippers, because it's the city of Los Angeles, they're able to get guys that, that other teams aren't. And this is the first time since 2007 when the San Antonio Spurs played the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is the first time in 14 years that the finals is without a coastal elite. Think about that, um, how dominant the coastal elites are. It's also only the third time since, since 1998 that a coastal elite 
uh, has not been in the finals. Uh, in 98, of course, it was Utah versus Chicago. Now, Chicago is one of the top four or five biggest markets in the U.S., uh, but they're not a coastal elite based on location. And of course, since Michael Jordan left, uh, they haven't even been to an NBA final. So that just kind of puts it in perspective how dominant the coastal elite teams are. Um, and there's been a lot of seasons like uh, the 2008 season, as a for instance, where you have two coastal elites playing each other when it's L.A. versus Boston. Um, so, you know, anyways, that's just a, a little side note on that. Uh, there's just, yeah, a lot of great storylines with this NBA Finals. And I don't think there's going to be many uh, people, especially young people, outside of Phoenix or outside of Milwaukee or those who are like really into the NBA. I don't think there's going to be that many people that are going to watch this series. Um, hopefully Giannis is healthy, so that helps ratings. But I think the ratings on this final are going to be quite low. Uh, last year you had two coastal elites, plus you had Jimmy Butler and uh, LeBron James, AD, were in the final. Um so that made a difference. You also had the fact that it was still at the height of, of the pandemic. So people were watching for sure. Um, but I think the ratings are going to be low, unfortunately. Um, and that's too bad because I think from just a, a purist's perspective about basketball, um, when you think about competitive competition fairness and, and, and parity within the league, um, this is a great final. You know, this is a final that a lot of the 70s were about um, when you didn't have super teams like the Celtics and the Lakers in the 80s. Um, or you didn't have super teams, you know, that happened because of free agency when, you know, people, players put their, their super teams together. Um, so it's, it's great. I think it's great for basketball. But I don't think it's going to be great for ratings. We'll, I'll be interested in seeing that. Uh, I'd be curious to know what your picks are. Feel free to uh, drop me a line uh, on Twitter. Uh, drop Zion I a line through uh, Jurassic Views as well. Uh, but I hope, I hope you can watch it because it's, it's going to be good basketball. It's going to be well coached. And you know what? It's going to be refreshingly humble uh, basketball. There's going to be... Great team play, not just superstar play. There are going to be smaller egos um, rather than large egos. Thank goodness that LeBron James is not in the final again. Um, remember the 2019 finals? Anybody remember that? It was just so nice to not see LeBron in that one. And here he is not in this one again. Um, so all those uh, LeBron stands take a year off again. You're okay. You'll make it. Uh, Bronny's almost in the NBA. So enjoy Bronny when he gets here. Uh, but for now, we don't have to deal with, with uh, LeBron. So that's good. Um, yeah, uh, this will probably be uh, the last podcast um, before the end of the finals. Uh, there'll probably be a, a finals wrap up that Zion and I will do. But we definitely have some podcasts 
coming your way that are going to be focused on other things. Uh, obviously, the Olympics are coming up. Uh, we want to talk about the WNBA uh, some more and their all-star game. Uh, I, I've read a, a number of articles in the last couple weeks on female coaches in the NBA. That's right. Coaches, not just one or two, coaches in the NBA that are assistants that could be, very well could be, head coaches in the league um, in the next three, four years. It's not just Becky Hammond. Um, Toronto Raptors have an assistant coach, Brittany Donaldson. But it'd be great to talk about those 10 women who are uh, NBA assistant coaches. And you know what? I hope there's more to talk about, more, more women uh, NBA assistant coaches before the summer is up. Uh, for now, we'll hold it there. Much love to y'all. Hope you got the double uh, vaccination. I just got my double dose, uh, my second dose on the weekend. Dang, my left arm hurt, my shoulder. Uh, but I'm back, had a run today, and uh, feeling much better now. Uh, so yeah, hope y'all are safe. Hope y'all are enjoying the summer weather. If you're on the West Coast, I hope there's rain in the forecast so that those uh, fires can be better contained. Uh, but uh, to, to the BC interior, uh, we're thinking of you. We're hoping the best. Um, and uh, same on that Pacific Northwest in Oregon and Washington. Uh, much love to all you there. Um, looking forward to, to more podcasts, uh, especially Zaya and Evelyn uh, getting together to do a podcast sometime. And uh, maybe we'll have another guest or two um, up our sleeve before the summer's out. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Peace.